Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. And in Psalms 103, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Forget not all his benefits, who forgives you of all your iniquities and heals you of all your diseases. And uh, I love the fact that it's got heals, as in the word S, because we can get healed, but that doesn't mean that if we get sick again, we don't have faith. Let me encourage you, if you're overcoming something, that doesn't mean you have lack of faith. There should be no condemnation to anyone who is believing God for healing. You know, and I've heard all kinds of things. We've been doing this for, you know, well over 36 years, ministering, been in the Word of Faith camp for many, many years, and I've heard some things, and, you know, God wants you healed. That's just the bottom line. Well, pastor, why don't some people get healed? I don't know the answer to that. You know, I, I wish I did. You know, and if I knew the answer to that, then anybody I prayed for would never get sick again. They all get healed. You know, but I don't know the answer to that. But I do know this, that there are some strongholds that happen in people's lives that hinder them from healing, and, not, and one of them is worthiness. Not feeling like you're good enough. And this is why I believe he said the first thing is, forgive you of all your iniquities. Why didn't he say sin? Or why didn't he say trespasses? Well, there's a difference between sin, trespasses, and iniquities. A sin is missing a mark. That's kind of like taking a test and only making a 98 on it instead of 100. Okay, you're, you're not perfect. So we all know we've missed the mark. That's what the Bible says. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But a trespass or a transgression, which basically parallel are parallel, the same words, you know, exactly the same words there. It means you do something that you know better. You know, if you see a sign that says don't walk on the grass and you walk on it anyway, well, you know better. You know, as a hunter, if you see a sign that says no hunting, you know, allowed, then you're not supposed to cross over that fence line to go hunt. Okay, that's, you know better. All right. But an iniquity actually is whenever you've committed a sin, so much has become a part of you. This is where people fall into maybe um, addictions, drug addictions, or alcohol addictions, or other addictions because they know better. But as a result of you know doing it, it's become a part of them. And so the reason why I believe he said iniquities here is because there are some things in our lives and people's lives that they have not totally gotten free of. Hidden sins, we call it, you know, shameful things going on in our lives. And we feel like, man, I, I hope nobody ever finds out I have this problem in my life, you know. But that's an iniquity. And he wants you to know, you know what, even if you have an iniquity, that does not disqualify you from receiving your healing. Amen. Okay? You know, Jesus never went up to somebody and said, now, are you living a perfect life? Have you obeyed all the laws? You know, and, and, and once you get to that point, I'll heal you. And this is why I think, you know, and, and uh, you know, I'm not going to apologize for weeping, you know. I mean, I don't really weep a whole lot or cry a whole lot. But, man, when the Spirit of God came on me this morning, man, I just heard, you know, the, the, the blind men just crying out, Jesus, have mercy on us. And it's the mercy of God that really heals us. But God's merciful. His mercy's new every morning. 
So when we look back at Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name, forgetting all his benefits, who forgives us of all our iniquities, heals us of all our diseases, delivers our life from destructions, and crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. And his mercies are new every morning. God wants you to know that he's merciful. And it's not about your works. Now, yes, he wants you free from that iniquity. Yes, he wants you free from that particular stronghold. That is so true. He does want that. But nevertheless, it's not a pre-qualification for you to get your healing. Just like it's not a pre-qualification for you to be perfect before you can get saved. How many of you got perfect, became perfect, you were just, just a, did everything right and perfect before you felt like you were worthy enough to pray the, uh, the prayer of salvation? Anybody here like that? No, none of us, you know? And so the same God who saved you is the same God who wants to heal you out of his mercy. Amen. You know, he said, well, there's some things in my life, Pastor, I might be hindering God. Well, right there is the problem is that you think it's hindering God, but it's not really hindering God. You know, what did Jesus do when the blind man said, Jesus, have mercy on us? He just stopped, turned around, and said, that's my middle name. Yeah. That's who I am. I'm the God of mercy. Yes. I want to show mercy. This is why I came down here, not to show judgment. Remember when the disciples said, Lord, why don't you call down fire? He said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That was a different error, <laughs> different reason, different generation, different time, different season, different culture. That's not really what God intended here, okay? God doesn't want me to call down fire. He wants me to show the love and the compassion of God. Right. And so we, we, we need to get hold of that revelation that's God's mercy that really wants us healed. And that's why I think that song touches me so much because when we're singing Yeshua, you know, we're just really crying out to Jesus with all our hearts. Something about saying his name in the Hebrew language, Yeshua. And uh, just really, for me, just brings in the presence of God. Well, turn with me to Luke chapter 8. And we're going to see an outline here in the Word of God of several ways people received their healing or how Jesus healed people several different ways. And here in verse 1, And now, now it came to pass afterwards that he went through every city and village preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. And the twelve were with him, and a certain woman who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod, Stuart, and Susanna, and many others who provided for him from their substance. Now, many of us have heard the story of Mary Magdalene, you know, how he cast out seven demons. And in Mark chapter 16, verse 8, that's what it said, Mary Magdalene, of whom he cast out. Here it says he, she, she was healed of these demons, okay, of these evil spirits. But in Mark uh, 16, 8, he said, cast out these seven spirits. And the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. And so, what is more carnal than sickness? What is more fleshly than sickness? When you think about it. You know, what is more fleshly than, you know, nobody likes getting the flu. Now, I'm not going to say if you got the flu, you got a devil in you. I'll never say that. You know, but I know that the enemy is the author of sickness. Okay? He's the God of this world. 
He's been given authority to bring sickness and to put sickness on people. But that doesn't mean just because he's been given authority to do that, does that mean that we can allow that to come on our bodies? We, we can resist that. And that's why the scripture says in James, when it says, submit yourself unto God, resist the devil, he shall flee. So the more we submit to God or the more we, you know, get this God mind, become God minded, thinking like the word of God says we ought to think, the more we resist the devil, become more like God. And so the enemy has been, you know, given authority to bring sickness here on this earth. But just because we're sick doesn't mean we have a devil. That's another, you know, myth that I don't want people to get hold of. Well, I guess I'll let a devil in. You didn't let a devil in. You may have shook someone's hand who had a cold and you got a cold. But the enemy is the author of colds, not God. Okay? Does that make sense? All right? So we don't need to think every time we get sick or have the flu or whatever that we don't have faith or that we've let the enemy into our lives. And so Jesus went out to the villages here, all the good, bringing glad tidings. And here in verse uh, 4, it says, And when a great multitude had gathered, they came to him from every city. And he spoke by a parable. And he began to share this parable about uh, 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 him sowing a seed. And why is that so important? Well, it's important because of what, Pastor, you have to understand that everybody is accountable to how they receive the word. Now, that you are accountable to, okay? How do you receive the word? You know, and I was so glad she brought up these prophecies because there's things that she said that, you know, or, or other prophets have said that we, we, we forgot about. We're not the only ones who get a word and all of a sudden, you know, two or three days later, life happens and we forgot all about that word. But, you know, when you read the first five chapters of the Bible, you know, and Moses wrote the first five chapters of the Bible, when you start getting into Exodus, you know, and Leviticus and uh, Deuteronomy, and I'm forgetting one, Numbers, Numbers, they're all written by Moses, and they're all repetitive. The four Gospels are all repetitive because we need to hear it. Yeah. Why? Because faith is stirred by hearing and hearing the Word of God. You know, faith doesn't come. We have faith. Faith is activated. Yes. You know, it starts, you know, it, it starts doing something inside of us. The faith of God starts doing something on, on the inside of us. It starts to activate us. It starts beginning to cause us to believe that, you know, I could really experience complete healing from God or whatever your need is. We, we, you know, when we hear these prophetic words, it activates us. You know, a, a friend of mine said, you know, I, I told him we were going to be celebrating our 25th anniversary as, as, as a pastor in a church. He said, how, how did you manage to do that? You know, well, because we held on to the words that God gave us. You know, God, you know, when, when God told, spoke to me clearly, you know, I had a kind of an inkling that I was supposed to come back to Columbia. When, even when I left the first time, had an inkling I'd come back, but I wouldn't tell anybody that. Especially wouldn't tell my wife because when we got married, she said, I just want to let you know that I'm not marrying a pastor. <laughs> and we're never moving to Missouri. Do you get that? <laughs> and we won't live in the country. So we've done all of them, you know, but anyway... You know, so I was really cautious, but I had this inkling in the back of my mind. But when God began to really deal in my heart about coming back here, I said, God, I'll go back. 
but you know, you know where you're sending me. You know, and, and, and I don't want to make a negative confession about the city, but this is the city of the dove. It was dedicated to God years and years and years ago. But boy, I tell you what, there's been a, a, a real stronghold against this city, right. spiritually speaking, you know. And, uh, you know, I, and, and, and I said, if you send me to Columbia, you know, I want, I want revival, Amen. you know. And I believe he sent me with that mandate. And, and what, what we experience today, you know, is really what we mean by revival, where we're, we're having moves of God, you know? Well, you know, you might think, well, there sure is a lot of empty seats. Well, you can think that now, but I believe a day is coming that we won't have enough seats. But that's because of a word that we've gotten from God. That's why we don't quit. Well, the same thing's true about your healing. You got a word from God. The word is that he sent his word and he healed you. And the word became flesh and dwelt among you. And we know that Jesus was that word that dwelt among us. And Isaiah 53 says he bore our griefs, he carried our sorrows. And by his stripes we are healed. And 1 Peter 2.24 says by his stripes we were healed. You know, 2 Peter chapter 1, 3 says, according to his divine power, he's given you all things that pertain to life. Is healing a part of pertaining to life? Amen. You know, he's given you all things that pertain to life. You know, according to his divine power, he's given you. He has given you. It's already been given to you, all things that pertain to life and godliness. God wants you healed. That's God's plan for your life. And there's no iniquity that should stop you from being able to receive God's plan for your life. I see you thought all oh, got you thought I got distracted, but I didn't. Going back to 2 Corinthians 10:3, you know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And so what Paul's saying, he said, you know what, sometimes you know what you have to do, you need to pull down some of these strongholds. Where are those strongholds? They're, they're, they're in you. They're in your soul. They're in your mind. It's how you see yourself. That's why it's so important that you wash yourself daily with the washing of the water of the Word. Let me ask you a question, but please don't anybody raise your hands. All right? How many of you don't wear deodorant on a daily basis? All right. So, all right. So, I'm glad you didn't raise your hand. I mean, you don't brush your teeth on a daily basis. Again, don't raise your hand. Okay. Well, those, the, the deodorant and, and, and toothpaste really is a form of soap. It's a form of washing. Okay? So you wash daily in the natural realm. But why wouldn't you wash your soul daily with the washing of the water of the Word? You know, we, I, I don't want to harp on you or bring anything in a condescending way that if you're not reading the Word, man, you, you're, 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 you're going to wash up and be nothing. But the Word washes your soul. It begins to purify and, and renew your soul. And so one of the things that we need to do is cast down some of these distractions that have caused strongholds in our lives. Well, I just don't have time to read the Word. Well, you know, I look at my life and, you know, and I know my life's a lot different than your life, and I understand that. But, you know, it only takes me about 10 minutes to do a daily devotion. Okay, I have a daily devotion. I read through the Bible every year, and, 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 and I have that all set up on my computer. 
And so it only takes me about 10 minutes to do that. I mean, is it that hard to carve out an extra 10 or 15 minutes a day? And, and almost inevitably, I'll read something, and I'll, you know, I've read it before. I don't know how many times I've read the Bible, but I've read it before. But, I, wow, that's new. Oh, I forgot that. Oh, that's good. Oh, I need that, you know. And so this is why it's so important that we, we, we read the Word of God, because it's kind of like getting a letter from God. Now, when I was in college before the day of emails and before the day of cell phones, I looked forward to my mother's weekly letter. Number one, I always liked to know what she had to say, but there was always a check in there. <laughs> and so anyway, I looked forward to those, those letters. And I'd read the letter, and I'd read it again, I'd read it again. That was my contact to, you know, my parents when I was away from college. Well, this is what this is. This is your contact to God. All right? God's given you his word. So he can tell you his intent and his desire for your life. And so Jesus said here in, in Luke chapter 8, and I'm going to have to make sure I'm in the right place here. And um, uh, excuse me, I, I, I want Matthew 8. Thank you. Matthew 8. Go with me to Matthew 8. And when he had come down, starting with verse 1, and when he come down from the mountain, a great multitude fall to him. And behold, a leopard came and what? Worshipped him. What did that leopard do? Worship him. All right, now this is the outline for healing that I want you to get today. Worshipped him. Saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus put his hand on, touched him, and said, I'm willing, be cleansed. You know, immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said, see that you tell no one, but go your way and show yourself to the priest. Offer a gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So one of the things about receiving your healing is worship. Worshiping the Lord. And worshiping the Lord is to acknowledge him for who he is. And so we know that Jesus and God are one. And so when we begin to worship the Lord, we can start thanking him. That's a form of worship thanking the Lord that he's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. He wants you whole. That's one of the things that we need to be thankful for. I'll never forget when I was first starting to learn how to operate in, you know, the, the, the principles and the promises of God, I got, I got this major attack, just got hit in the gut. I'm telling you, I mean, you know, I don't know what it was, you know, but it was my first time I've ever had that type of attack. I suspect it was some form of food poisoning or some type of gas, uh, gastrointestinal uh, infection, or I'm not using the right term anyway, but it's probably what I had. But anyway, I just got hit in that gut, and those cramps started happening, and boy, I mean, it was painful. And I'll never forget, I just stopped where I was. And I got on my knees, and I just lifted my hands to the Lord. I said, Lord, I worship you, and I thank you that you're Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth me. I thank you that you're Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth me. I did that for about four or five minutes, and sure enough, the pain left, and I mean, I got back up and went on and finished my day. I learned something. You know what? I need to be thankful for what God's done for me for it to manifest in my life. Yes. You know, it's a lot easier to receive when you're thankful for things. And so he worshiped the Lord and said, if you're willing, well, Jesus was willing. That's no issue right there. 
And so Jesus, Jesus did what? He touched him. So worship is one form of receiving your healing, thanking God for, for the fact that he does heal you. He's Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that healeth thee. And so he worshiped him, and then secondly, Jesus touched him, sometimes touching somebody. You don't have to always pray this real, you know, big prayer or, 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 or wonderful prayer to get someone healed. You know, a lot of times when someone says, you know, um, when, when I'm around people or something like that, when someone says, you know, I'm not feeling very well or something like that, you know, if it's appropriate, and I'm really learning more about politically correct things, but, you know, I go, man, I hope you get to feeling better. I purposely touch that person because I know that I have something they need. They need healing. I don't go, well, now in the name of Jesus, I just command this thing to go. And I do pray that way. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not discrediting that type of prayer. But that person can't receive that kind of prayer. You know, this leper may have not been able to receive that kind of prayer. Jesus, went, Jesus said, yeah, I will, and just touched him. We don't even have a record of Jesus praying. Jesus, yeah, I'll do that. Just like that. All of a sudden, bam, no more leprosy. It was, it was gone. It was there one minute. It was gone the, the next second. He was healed. And Jesus said, now go do what you know, the law said because the law hadn't been completely fulfilled yet. So he, so, so he did. Well, let's move on here. Now Jesus had entered Capernaum and a centurion came to him, pleading with him. The King James says, beseeching him. Lord, my servant is lying home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. That sounds like there's some demonic activity going on there, doesn't it? All right? Dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said, well, I'll come and heal him. And the satyrian said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. Only speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say this one, go, and he goes, and another one, come, and he comes, and my servant, do this, and he does it. And Jesus heard it, and he marveled and said to those who followed, Assuredly, I say to you, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. In other words, he's saying, you know, we're all the chosen ones, we're Jews, all chosen of God at this time. He said, I haven't found anybody who had this kind of faith that would say, just speak the word. But that's the kind of faith he's looking for. He's looking for someone who will say, just speak the word. And I say to you that many will come from the east and west. You know what? That's us. He's referring to the Gentiles coming in, being grafted in. And sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the sons of the kingdom will be cast out in the outer darkness. And he's talking about the Jews who reject him, okay? And we're not talking about hell, and that's another whole teaching itself, okay? But they're going to be separated from the kingdom of God. And they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said to the centurion, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And his servant was healed that same hour. Isn't that amazing? You know? Now, there's, there, 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 there's coming a day. We, we haven't seen a whole lot of this, but we're going to see more and more of this. But there's coming a day that you're going to come and say, Pastor, pray for this person. We're going to pray for that person. And the next service, that person is going to be here, 
And you're going to say the moment you prayed, this person's testimony was they got healed. And they knew it was the power of God. Okay, now we've, we've had a couple of those testimonies in our lives, not very many, but that's, we're going to see more and more and more and more of that. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. Speak the word only. Why is the word so important? Well, as we shared earlier in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. You know, and, and when, Jesus, when Jesus said that, or when that was said in John 1, 1, you know, one of the things that we have to understand is that the Word of God is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word of God. They're one. Now, it's hard for us to wrap our head around it. But in other words, when it says in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse, verse uh, 19, I believe it is, I watch over my Word to perform it. He's the one who watches over His Word to perform it. Okay, so what Word is He going to perform? He's going to perform the Word that you speak according to His will. He's going to perform the word that you speak, or he's going to watch over the word that you speak in order to perform it. Where is he now? He's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. What does that mean? He's up there in heaven making sure that the words we speak come to pass. That's what that means. He's in heaven making sure that the words that we speak according to the will of God come to pass. That's his plan for our lives. That's what he's doing. And that's why it's so important, again, that we speak the word. And John 1.14 says, And the word dwelt among us, became flesh. Well, in 1 John chapter 5, I believe verse 7, it's in my notes here, but verse 7 says, Now the word and the spirit and God are one. What? The word, the spirit, and God are one. That's what it says. So if the word and the spirit and God are one, when you speak the word, you're releasing, you're actually releasing God into that situation. Amen. You're releasing the presence of God. You're releasing who God is into that situation. So when you speak, you know, healing into your body, you're releasing the very spirit of God into you or into that situation. When you release, you know, uh, the words out there, the prodigal son's coming home, the prodigal son or, or daughter's coming home. That you, you, you put in motion God's plan when you speak that word. And that's why Jesus said, man, man, you got it, Mr. Centurion. I wish everybody else will get this. That's why he said what he said, because he wanted everybody else to get it. He said, you got this. All you really need to be is a person of the word. Speak the word, and it's going to come to pass. That's what I want you to have. That's where I want you to be. I want you to be a person who will speak the word only and believe this word above all things. But what is it that hinders us from believing the word above all things? All the way back to Psalms 103. Those iniquities. Those strongholds that we need to cast down. We need to say no more strongholds in our lives. I'm not going to allow God's promises to be stopped in my life because of my performance. It's not about my works. It's about his works. And so then here in... Um, uh, verse 14. Now, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother lying sick with fever. So he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and served him. There, there again, there's that touch. 
You know, her, she was, you know, he must have walked in and, you know, she must have been, you know, like most of us do when we're sick. We leave the bedroom and we go into the living room or den couch and watch TV until we get well. Is that what most of us do? It's what we do. Anyway, I figure you're most, most of us are like us. You know, and she was in there, you know, in the den when he walked in. He saw that she was sick and he went up there. How are you doing, Mrs. Peter's mother-in-law? She said, well, I wasn't feeling very good until he touched me. <laughs> but something happened. Yeah. Amen. The fever left me. Yes. Not only did it leave her, but you know, you usually don't feel really all that great to get up and cook a meal right after you've been sick. Right. You know, my wife really milks it. <laughs> you know, if she has been not feeling good, you know, I cook meals for a whole week. Oh, I'm just not quite up to it. Okay, I'll fix dinner. <laughs> anyway, you know how it is. It's not quite that way. I may have to repent after this, right? <laughs> anyway. But you know how it is. You don't really feel that good when you're trying, when you've just got over something, do you? I mean, the present, I mean, just the touch. Well, you know, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Yeah. And we, we, we go on and we quote the rest of it, a quick in your mortal body, but what about other people's bodies? Huh? You got the touch. Tell your neighbor you got the touch. But if, you're, if they're not your spouse, you tell them, keep your touch to yourself. <laughs> anyway. So he, he touched her and she got up and served. So when evening had come, they brought to him many who were, What? Demon possessed, and he cast the spirit out with what? The word, and healed all who were sick. You know, and there's, there's some things that go on in the body of Christ that probably need a little more clarification in the area of deliverance. Deliverance is not a bad word. Some people say, oh, man, we had a deliverance service. Well, what does that mean? Well, we had people up front getting devils cast out of them, and they were puking, and they were, you know, screaming, and all these other things. And listen, folks, these things are genuine in some services, and I'm not discrediting them. But there's more to deliverance than just someone getting a demon cast out of them. How about a mindset being delivered from you're not worthy enough to being delivered to you are worthy enough? Hmm? How about be delivered from darkness into the kingdom of light? How about that? Yeah. You know, and so the truth is we have a deliverance service every Sunday and Thursday night because someone is being delivered from a thought that was wrong to a thought that is right. right. Think about that for just a moment. But demon-possessed people are people who have a demon inside them and they can't control it. It controls them. Very, very few people in the church are demon-possessed, okay? And it's my belief, and this is where I stand right now theologically, that I don't think a Christian can be demon-possessed. But I do believe a Christian can be demon-oppressed. Okay, in other words, that the influence of this demonic spirit against them for whatever reason, whether they left a door open or whether, you know, they were in the wrong environment or however it came, it's irrelevant. But it can oppress them, but not necessarily possess them. And you can feel like I don't have any control over that. 
Well, what, what do we do in a situation like that? Pastor, I've spoke the word. I believe in God. This is where I believe we're two or three gather in my name. Where two or three come together. This is where I think the power of agreement comes in. Where any two agree. You know, let somebody who will agree with you to break that oppression off of you. And sometimes someone being delivered from oppression is very similar to someone being delivered from demonic possession. It's kind of similar because they get so free. It's so wonderful. And so we need to have, sometimes we need a prayer partner to help pray, help, help us overcome this. You know, a lot of times deliverance comes from just being accountable. First of all, you need to accept the fact that, you know what, you, you probably might need to be delivered from something, and that's okay. When I was first saved, and, and I'm a little bit of shameful to say this, you know, but it's been many, many years ago, but, you know, but before I got saved, I didn't always tell the truth. And then when I got saved, sometimes I would embellish, you know. Well, that's just a real nice word of saying, I lied. And the Lord dealt with me one day. He said, man, he said, I don't mind your testimony for, and I don't think he said it quite like this, but this is my paraphrase of it since it's been so many years. I don't mind you testifying about me, but don't lie, you know? And so I said, well, Lord, I, 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 mean, I mean, you know, I, I just had to accept the fact that, you know, it was just too often. What do I do? He said, every time you lie, you stop right there and you tell the person that you're speaking to that was a lie and you ask them to forgive you. That was tough. Well, it happened. I was speaking to Don Kennedy and Larry Comforter, and I said something that wasn't quite right. And I said, stop. Sorry, guys. I just lied. And I asked you to forgive me. What was I doing? Becoming accountable. You know, an accountable person will overcome whatever they need to overcome if they'll choose to become accountable. You know, you have to accept the fact. I had to accept the fact that, you know, I, I had a problem with lying, but then I had to become accountable, and I made myself accountable to other brethren that were in the body that I was serving at that particular time. And eventually, you know what? I don't lie no more. You know, that's a good thing, isn't it? <laughs> but, you know, I quit lying way back then. Why? Because I didn't want to have to tell somebody I was sorry. It broke that stronghold in my life. Well, the second thing, I began to believe. You know, we need to believe God for our victory. Know that God wants us set free. No matter what, what, what stronghold is in your life, God wants you free. Now, I'm going to say this, and, um, and I know we're online and everything, but I'm going to try to say this as nicely and as diplomatically as I can. But there's a lot of men who struggle with pornography, and I'm sorry that you struggle with pornography, but I want to let you know something. You wives are your husband's greatest ally to overcome it. And one reason why men don't want to go to their wives and say, you know what, I'm having trouble with this. Well, who have you been looking at? We, we, you know, the man doesn't want a thousand questions. He wants to get over this. You know, and, and you can be his greatest ally, and what most women don't understand is that the re main reason why the man has a stronghold or a problem in this area, it's not because of you, it's because of some other inner depth issues in their soul that I can't go into today. But my point is that your relationship ought to be strong enough 
that if your husband has a problem in this area, he ought to be able to come to you and have you pray with him if he's tempted or has a weakness in this area, in an area of being accountable. And that you can help him believe because there's so much shame that goes with that. And that's why it's so important that strong marriages understand how to combat strongholds that are in those marriages. Thank you for that one amen. I knew this was a sensitive topic, but it's a major stronghold that, that happens, and it doesn't only happen in men, okay? It can happen in women too, but predominantly it does happen in men. You know, and I know that when it comes to our men's ministry, I know that sometimes men are fearful of coming to men's ministry because they think that, you know, I'm going to hammer on them, keep your mind straight, don't be looking at wrong women and stuff like that. I hardly ever address that. I think it's important. But you know what? I'm trusting that you have such a solid relationship with your wife that you can go to her and say, you know, hey, you know, I need your help. I want to be accountable, number one, but I need your help, you know, in the area of, of breaking through this particular area. And, and again, I, I understand, you know, and I can't say I understand because I'm not a woman, but I do understand the, the, the thinking of a woman. You know, I feel betrayed. I feel dirty. I feel I understand all those things. But if you can get over, overcome that and realize it's not really, you know, you're not processing it the same way he's processing it. And the real root is more of an inner, soulish, uh, emotional challenge than it is anything else. And I believe you can help him in that particular area. So thank you, Lord, for helping me get through that particular point that I felt the Lord really wanted me to address today. So believing. And then the last thing that, you know, Jesus did was cast out these demons. He cast them out. Let's look at this. Uh, verse 18. Matthew 8, 18. And when Jesus saw a great multitude about him, he, he gave a command to part the other side. And then a certain scribe came to him and said, Teacher, I'll follow you wherever I go. And Jesus said, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And then another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. And he said, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Now that's a whole different uh, understanding of what Jesus is going to do next. Okay, here in verse 23, when he got in a boat and suddenly a great tempest rose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves, he was asleep. And the disciples said to him, Lord, save us, we're perishing. And he said, why are you fearful, all of you of little faith? And he arose and rebuked the winds of the sea and there was a great calm. Now, this is amazing because we always say that tornadoes and hurricanes are acts of God. But Jesus is demonstrating here that with your words, you can take authority over the demonic influence that tries to negatively affect our weather. Now, some of you that don't know this, many, but many of you do, I'm a pilot. And I fly with a lot of other guys, and some of them go to church, and some of them don't go to church. And most of them don't even want to know what I believe in the Bible. But I fly with them anyway. You know, and that's not a discredit to them. You know, we're, they're not there to get a Bible study. They're there to fly. That's why we're in this pilot club. And so the other day I was flying and we were experiencing wind shears. Now, wind shears aren't all that bad. They got a bad rap, but they're not all that bad. Just means that the wind's blowing one way and then it's now all of a sudden blowing the other way. So I had to plan an automatic pilot and we were flying along, and we hit a major wind shear. And it, and it pushed the plane down into uh, a start to start to go into a spiral. 
And so I knew what to do, you know, just let the autopilot take care of it, strong winds like that, let the wind blow us around a little bit till we get through it, and we did. And, you know, and I can tell that my co-pilot was just a little nervous. I get it. It makes me a little nervous, you know? So I just did a couple barrel rolls until he fainted. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm kidding. We can't do barrel rolls in these planes. But anyway, so anyway, and I just said, well, I just, you know what? I, 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 this is what I said. I said, I just, I'm just, I just tell this wind to calm down. He goes, yeah, I agree. And it wasn't nearly a choppy all the way home. It was not smooth, but it wasn't, wasn't near. What did Jesus do? He said, wind stop. Well, not only did the wind stop, but the wave stop. Now, you know, to get a wave to stop, that's a miracle. You know, these waves get going, you know. I mean, it takes a lot of force to change. There's a lot of, you know, torque behind a wave. To get that, to, I mean, that's, that's pretty miraculous. I mean, just boom, everything's calm. But what happened? Jesus spoke to it. said, hey, this is what you should have done. You didn't, you didn't need to wake me up. That's why he said what he said. You don't need to wake me up. You need to do this. That's what he's saying to us today. You don't need to wake me up. You need to do this. Amen. Well, they're going on here um, in, in verse 28. And when he'd come to the other side, to the country of uh, I can't pronounce that word, Garganessa, there met him two demon-possessed men coming, to the, uh, coming out of the tombs exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass that way. And suddenly they cried out saying, what do you have with us, Jesus, you son of God? Have you come here to torment us before our time? Now a good way off from there, there was a herd of many swine feeding so the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. That's all he said. Go. This is how much authority you have over the enemy. Amen. You, know, they're, 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 you know, just like they're begging Jesus, don't torment us. If you really knew in the spiritual realm... They would be begging you, don't torment us. Don't speak the word. Don't believe God. Because you can get saved and go to heaven, but not. this is our realm. Satan's the God of this world. This is our realm. This is my realm. So don't mess it up for me. And besides, you sinned. You got a problem. You have an issue. God couldn't use you anyway. And, you know, you just need to say, go. That's right. Just go. I'm not having you anymore. Just go. I'm not listening to this anymore. Just go. And that's what the demon said. You know, hey, listen, you know, let us go into the you know, herd of swines. And so they did, and they, were, they ran off the, the um, hill and, and killed, the swines killed themselves. But this is what I thought was so amazing. It took me a, a little bit of to understand why it happened this way. And so he said, go. So when they had come out, they went into the herd of swines, and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place into the sea and perished in the water. Then those who kept them fled and went away into the city and told everything, including what had happened, to the demon-possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they begged him to depart 
from the region. Really? You're fearful of these two guys who now have their mind? They've been set free. They're not fierce anymore. They're not beating up everybody. They're not crying out. They're not creating havoc for everybody. And they're set in your own mind, and you want Jesus to leave? What is up to that? Well, they made their livelihood as pork farmers. And they got their fear. They got into fear because they thought, well, man, if Jesus stays around, we can't make, any, we can't make a living. What a lie. What a lie. That's the biggest lie the enemy's told the body of Christ. Well, if you become a Christian, you'll live poor all your life. You know, God doesn't want, God doesn't want you blessed. You know, money's the, the love of money is the root of all evil. You know what you need to say to that? Go. Go. Because God delights in the prosperity of his servants. And so you see so many things here in this particular passage of the Word of God here in Matthew 8, but I think some of the greatest things is you see many, many areas of healing. You say, well, what does prosperity have to do with healing? Well, how many of you need your finances healed? Then let's start getting that mentality of God wants us blessed. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean that you have to be poor. God doesn't want you poor. Two things happened to me when I was growing up. First of all, when God called me into the ministry, you know, I remember, I don't, I don't remember exactly how old I was, anywhere between 10 and 12, somewhere in there, I was going fishing, it was a Sunday morning, and I was telling the Lord how sorry I was for not going to church, but I didn't like church, it was boring. We didn't have a pastor like me, so what can you expect? <laughs> but anyway, it was boring. So anyway, and the Lord said, you'll like church when you get older. I've called you to preach. And I remember stopping, turning around. My mom was working on her degree in education. My dad was the degreed engineer. And I looked at their house, and I thought for a moment, I thought, I don't want to be a preacher. Preachers don't make any money. And I dismissed it right then. Now, how am I going to feed my family? Serving God. You know? And so, but, you know, God proved me wrong. You know, he, he spoke to me. He showed me. That, you know, he, he does want us blessed. Amen. You know, it doesn't matter what God's called you to do. He wants everything you put your hands to, to prosper. Amen. And that's God's plan for your life. God wants, doesn't want you to be poor, but he wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have more than enough. You know, and these are things that the enemy tries to do. He tries to, if he can't affect us physically, he tries to affect us emotionally or tries to change our mindset. Get us to have a wrong mindset. But you know what? God's here to set us free. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. And he can set you free from all these mindsets, all these strongholds. And this is why it's so important that we take authority over these strongholds. And that's what Paul said. The weapons of warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God. Through the pulling down of strongholds, casting down vain imaginations. Well, King James says vain. I think the new King James says imagination, so I kind of combine them together. They mean the same thing. In other words, things that are contrary to God. How do we do that? Through the washing of the water of the word. And sometimes in services like this, you can come in one way, but I'm telling you what, you can walk out another way. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. 
Until the next time, remember, you are God's best. <laughs>